Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting female musicians and artists. I am very happy today to say that I am joined by singer-songwriter Lisa Caruso. Lisa, congratulations on being the first guest to do a second episode. Yay! Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Matt. It's great to have you. We're making history. (laughs) Uh, Women Who Rock history. (laughs) (laughs) About two weeks ago, I became obsessed with a track from a Swedish electric duo called Fever Ray. And the reason that I've been listening to their music so much is because it's a theme track for a show called Vikings on Netflix. Oh, amazing. When we were last, when we last had a chat on the podcast, we were talking about your brand new single, Shake Baby Shake. Mm-hmm. And since then, Ooh, yeah. the, the song got picked up by a Netflix show called Good Girls, which is amazing and the youtube video exploded uh could you tell us a bit about that process and how they came to fit your music to the mood of the show yeah i guess firstly um i just want to say that's it's, it's uh, it was like how long ago was it now i can't remember it wasn't too long after the release that i found out that it was going to be on the show and even now so that was but probably just over a year ago perhaps and even now I'm still getting um, messages from like new fans from America and Brazil and different places in Europe. So it's been such an amazing um, thing to have happened, you know, for any artist, I suppose. But it's been, yeah, it's been so great. I have a sync, I'm signed to a sync agency and they, yeah, they landed that one. Um, I didn't go source out myself. Yeah, if you're unaware what a sync agency does, they... I was wondering. Yeah, they... I'm not even sure if I'm saying that correctly, a sync agency, but they um, they get... they <laughs> From TV shows, they, you know, they get little blurbs of what they perhaps need of a, of a song, and they were, I guess, amazing at thinking about my song, Shake Baby Shake, for this particular scene in Good Girls, and it scored the spot. I guess they they would get a lot of um, different songs coming in at them and they thought that one was appropriate. So, yeah, that's how that happened. I did not even know that that whole thing existed. Yeah, right. That that whole service. So when you signed up to the sync agency, did you ever have an idea or have a dream that it would ever sort of get to uh, a big Netflix show like that? Mm, Well, I always say that – like I love, obviously I love music, I love writing, but I particularly like film music and I love what music brings to film and visuals. So, yeah, I was particularly excited and I think my you know, my music has a bit of drama and theatre to it that I suppose lends itself to, to matching, um, you know, a visual and a, a scene, you know, you know, it gives a certain mood, which is really exciting, but... Um, yeah, they found me somehow back when I released my first EP in '09, and um, yeah, I'd gotten one sync for "I Will Be," the first single I ever released, but that um, that was not part, and that was on um, the Matt O'Kine 
show that oh what's that show here do you know matt o'kine he's a comedian oh yeah he was the triple j um breakfast host yeah so he has a tv show and my song was on that but it was just quite discreet so the shake baby shake one was a pretty big land because it was on a pretty critical part of the episode which is why i feel like it got so much traction from you know obsessive good girls viewers I love how obsessed people come with tv shows and so it was a big part of their moment something huge was happening in the show and that's when my song played so it was a great time for that to happen in saying that you it's sort of there's a theatrical maybe dramatic element to your music and having that that you sort of have that in mind when you're producing the music I'd like to go back to the can you tell us a bit about how you were feeling when you first saw that episode and the scene in that episode and your music came on and Mm. your interpretation of how well the scene married with the music yeah it was pretty exciting they don't give too much away they just send you an email they say we want to use this and we it'll be about this many seconds and on this episode and so it was on the second episode of the second season, I think it is. Um, and I actually binge watched the first season, so that was exciting. Yeah, so up to season two, I waited for it to come out on Netflix and I was waiting for this song to come on in the second episode and it actually came in right at the end and um, it was great how they used it. It was, um, yeah, so it was right at the end, just like so, sort of like a cliffhanger thing and the intro played. And they cut and pasted the intro again. And then there was a bit of like talking. So it was like the mood was it was very dark and you hear the baritone um, guitar come in with the drum kit. So it was very moody. And then they, yeah, so that came in and then they had this scene where they had a little chat and it was all very sexy and moody and naughty and like the Good Girls is about these three women that uh, they steal and things like that, but they're sort of housewives. Which is, there's a bit of comedy in it. Yeah, and then as they stop talking, the music comes back on again and that's when you can hear my voice and it kind of leads out to the credits. So it was quite a big chunk of the song. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> that must have been such a thrill to see it the first time. Yeah, it was awesome. I had a couple of friends see it before me and they're like, ah, it's amazing. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> well, hopefully many, many people watch it on Netflix. I feel as though Netflix is probably extremely popular in the crazy times that we're living through at the moment. Yeah, that's what's particularly fun about about it for me, I think, because obviously streaming, you get a new TV show to watch. So there's constantly people finding it. It's not just like you're watching a series on TV and it's only on show for half an hour of on this particular day. It just mm. it just keeps getting filtered through different people and yeah, absolutely at this time there's gonna be more people watching things. I'd like to have a bit of a chat about an article uh, that you wrote recently, uh, sort of about the sort of unusual times that we're living in. Uh, You wrote an article about what it's like to be a casual teacher and also an independent musician 
in these times. In the bit where you're sort of talking about contemplating to going to work, you said, uh, I'm choosing to stay away from schools and forfeit my pay. I've never been a gambler and I don't intend to start. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're going as an independent music and uh, independent musician and a, a casual teacher during these times? Yeah, I kind of had a bit of a chuckle then because it sounded quite um, dramatic, that line, but I feel like it was necessary and it's quite telling. Hearing that back, like when I wrote the article, it was very true to how I was feeling in that moment. I suppose that moment felt like it lasted quite a few weeks, almost a month. Yeah, just hearing that back actually just to talk about that first and about these crazy times, it's really incredible how we can feel so different day to day. Have you found, personally, have you found that, you know, in these unprecedented times, we're all going through the same thing in such a different, ironic and strange way? So ask me that question, you know, a week ago compared to today or tomorrow or the next day, I feel like it's going to be different. But um, yeah, mm. still things now, like they're changing in terms of where I personally feel like I am in this whole situation. Um, you'd think as a casual high school teacher, that's my main point of income. You think that, you know, you'd be supported, especially I work in public schools, but I was quite surprised that you know, that wasn't one of the first conversations that they were talking about in terms of jobs because there's so many of us casuals. Yeah, but I spread myself quite evenly. I do casual work so that I can be a musician also. I am trying to, I suppose, transition my income in different ways, but that's what's so great about casual teaching is the flexibility. And right now, this morning they came out with, oh, they've got something for us, but it's like one day of work a week. So it's hardly, you know, enough to kind of feel like you're surviving on paying rent and paying for food and health expenses and blah, blah, blah. So, sorry, is that what the question was? I'm going around. Yeah. Circle. So I, I, was, <laughs> I mean, in terms of, I think you kind of, I have felt that as well, the idea that not only are things unusual, but the unusualness changes every day. Mm. Because I know that this article was published maybe a month ago, so it's interesting to see yeah. uh, how things have changed. It seems from my perspective of not being a school teacher that maybe the messaging on schools has been a bit unclear. Do you kind of agree with that, that it's been a bit inconsistent and hard to know what's going to happen tomorrow? Absolutely. It's all been very vague, I think. Um, you know, this whole essential working, it's like, well you know you could call anything essential really like they're calling haircuts essential well you know okay yeah um <laughs> and so yeah I feel like the government's saying it's essential because you're needed like you're like teachers are needed for things to keep you know for children to keep learning and to keep you know the transition is hard on online I absolutely understand that but in terms of my position in casual work, like you just kind of feel like you're, you know, I know that when things start to get bad and I myself have an ordinary immune disease, so I'm at high risk and things start to get quite bad. And they, that was when I wrote the article around the time that they started to, it feels like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? When like, mm. remember when they started to close venues and, you know, over a hundred people, like that was, 
the kind of stage of that. It's like, okay, well, there's a thousand and something kids at this school though, so what are you, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, But, yeah, I I wrote it around that time and then I thought, yeah, they started telling people that were at high risk that you probably should stay away and things like that. So I, the whole, you know, forfeit, not a gambler type thing was me kind of saying, you know, I have an autoimmune disease and because I'm a casual, I felt like I was being penalized for that. And so I understand I'm a casual and I'm not going to get paid sick leave and stuff. But when it comes to being in a pandemic and you're put in a situation where you really just, I'm not going to risk that. That's just stupid. Like, you know, so I did, yeah, I decided to stay home and that's when I started to get a little bit annoyed. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, and you and the phone was off the hook at that time because teachers were afraid to go in, whether they were at risk or not. And they were calling casuals like nonstop. And then all of a sudden, you're online, and they stop calling us. It's like thanks a lot. Ah, <laughs> oh, I see. Because everything, when everything transitioned online, then the other teachers could just work from home I guess absolutely they're not going to be you know I don't, I don't blame them either the teachers are doing such an incredible job and it's massive what they're being asked to do like teaching online and you know rearranging the curriculum and stuff it's absolutely exhausting but they're not going to take sick days now because what for like they're at home yeah um, but there's also a lot involved like casuals don't just get caught in for sick days they'll get caught in for like internal stuff in school so a lot of the time for example I work at a performing arts school and they might have like internal marking so two teachers might be marking so they'll need cover for them or there's like planning or excursions or you know those things just aren't happening when you're teaching remotely yeah okay it's not business as usual no for on the flip side of that coin I guess you're also working as an independent musician. So I'm interested to hear that has the fog of uncertainty helped the creative process and have you been doing lots of writing or do you think that it's been so chaotic that it's difficult to focus on creative pursuits? Mm, That's been a really interesting topic that as you started to ask me, I felt a little bit strangled. I was like, um, Oh, sorry. No, no, don't don't apologize. Um, but that, you know, every reaction's good. It's a true example of what's going on. That's what I believe. Mm. But, um, yeah, straight away, I feel like there was a little bit of a pressure, not that it was put on us or not speaking for myself, but it was an interesting thing to see in the music community of like, oh, I feel like I need to be productive now. I've got all this time and not even all this time. I feel like I spent the first two weeks trying to talk to the department and to Centrelink and, you know. Um, Sure. But, yeah, it's been a really interesting time for me, I suppose. I'm at the ends of my albums mastered, which is amazing, and um, all that needs to be done is artwork. So for me and my independent musician hat on I wasn't too afraid of time off because as a casual teacher in the holidays I have holidays and I suppose and um, that's the time that I spend doing I make the most of that time and I do lots of music stuff or at least I try to so when this started happening I was like 
sure, I'm just going to pretend like it's holidays. And I've got heaps of stuff to do anyway, um, you know, whether it be working on that artwork or organising publicity and gigs and everything else is that, that's going to come up with this album release. Um, but also really excited about writing. So I did kind of set out to feel like I was going to do heaps, but then things kind of set in and you definitely have to be kind to yourself and not not stress too much about feeling like you need to push out the creative stuff because I think that for a lot of us musicians, it's quite hard when you're under this abnormality and a bit of pressure to mm. kind of just stay afloat with your thoughts with what's going on, I suppose. You had, since we spoke last, you've had some really killer singles. I think there's been four singles in a run of about 12 months. Um, so I'd like to listen to the most recent one. Mm-hmm. So why don't we listen now to your most recent single? It's called Dream Lover. Dream Lover, you dreamed a version of me. Dreams of a life while I sat Lisa Caruso with Dream Lover. My favourite line in that song is, I'm dry as a bone can be. Uh, As I mentioned before, you've had loads of really great singles over the last sort of uh, 12 to 18 months. This single, it sort of reminded me as if it was going to be in a Western movie. And 
the style is certainly different, very different to the previous single, Borrow My Body. Mm. And so from the last four, there's quite a quite wide range of styles that you've been looking or employing. So you mentioned before that you have your album that is coming up relatively soon. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the how this song fits into the album and whether we're going to see quite an eclectic range of styles on the album? Yeah, well, this is also another first. I think I'm speaking about the album and I'll, I think I'll let you in on the album title because um, it feels appropriate. So, yeah, I the way I released the singles, I suppose, was just on feeling and on gut feeling in terms of what do I feel like I want to release now. I kind of went with the seasons a little bit. Um, I knew what I wanted to release Shake first because it just felt fitting to what this album is a lot about. Um, so I suppose it encompasses sickness, health, love, a vulnerability and strength. There, there are some words chucked at you. Um, okay. <laughs> but, um, for example, I wanted to release Borrow My Body in the winter time because I thought it was quite fitting, so winter for Australia. Uh, I thought it was quite fitting, like quite, you know, warm kind of nice tune you might want to listen to by the fire um and then I felt like you know coming back again with a bit of a bang which was dream lover yeah I'm super happy with how the albums turned out I was a little worried at the start because these songs are a collection of songs from quite a lot of years this is my first full-length album there were a lot of songs that I still wanted to keep for the album and so I was well, a bit worried at the start because I was like, oh, do they all fit with one another? And then I started to work with Benjamin Fletcher and he was just amazing and he helped me produce the album. Um, and I feel like with his skills and creative energies, there's definitely something in the album that 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 brings all the songs together. Like, yes, there's you know, a couple slow burns and, yes, there are some big, powerful punch kind of songs, but I feel like they all tie in with one another and going back on the whole, you know, feeling like songs are for a soundtrack or for a visual or for film, I feel like we've really achieved that. So for that reason and, you know, one day I kind of clicked to me and I was, when I know something is right, it's right straight away. It's kind of that gut feeling. Um, so I'm calling the album In Feelings. Um, in Feelings. Yeah, because it encompasses many. And I kind of was playing on the Roy Orbison in Dreams. Um, okay. So the song that he has in the David Lynch film in Dreams. So this is called In Feelings, um, kind of citing that filmic reference as well as you know Lisa Crusoe in feelings here are all my feelings there's not just one type I'm sad I'm happy I'm angry I'm strong I'm vulnerable I'm all of them (laughs) kind of encompasses the whole gamut of Mm. human emotions yeah is there to be another single release before the album is released or is that a secret yeah I can let you know I suppose um I like to do things I guess, as I feel, um, I think that's really worked for me in the past. But I feel like before I drop the album, um, another single may come two to three weeks before, just to give another okay. little little taste. It's a 10-track album, so 
I've already released four. I shouldn't, I shouldn't give too many away, but at the uh-huh. same time, I've loved releasing singles so much. I feel like I want to um, pay attention to each and every song on the track on the on the album. Mm. Um, so yeah, that'll be five then, and then there'll be five others to listen to. I've spent quite a bit of time on these songs, so for me, each one is a single. But yes, to answer your question, there will be one more, <laughs> and hopefully a big launch party as well yeah. in the future. Yeah, whether um, I've thought a lot about that whole we're in isolation at the moment. Um, mm. And I've had questions of, are you still going to release it now? And I'm like, absolutely. I'm trying to release it as soon as I can. And I think I'll do something online. We may not even be online by the time I release it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'll definitely be planning some big party shows towards the end of the year. Mm, shows are very much uh... – it seems like such a long time ago that I last went to a gig in a dimly lit room. Yeah. Um, but there's been a new phenomenon, I guess, of people playing online. I'd like to mm. chat about you played, you were playing in a lineup for a festival called Torchfest. Yeah. Uh, that was going to be a live festival that had comedy, uh, music, I think some theatrical uh, performances as well. Uh, but then that was online. Everything was kind of moved because uh, to online. Can you tell us a little bit about Torchfest and also how it was playing that show through live streaming? Yeah, um, Torchfest uh, is an amazing thing that was going to be happening live, so it has been postponed. So um, the group is called Listen Up, and they're our first mental health non-for-profit foundation in Australia. So they do amazing work. Um, I've known the leader of that group Ali for quite a long time um for when he first started it up and yeah they'd been planning the festival for so long and put everything into it and then this happened but they did decide to still hold a they called it torch fest light which I loved like a diet okay (laughs) like a diet yeah um (laughs) and so yeah just to give everyone a bit of a taste of you know what they're going to be we played for 15 minutes each it was huge lineup starting from like 10 45 a.m to midnight or something like that and it was my I've only actually done that one as a live thing um so that was my first and it was super weird if I'm honest like okay I felt so awkward and I got quite nervous like I had dry mouth and it was weird. <laughs> Such Is a... it because there's no audience? Was that one of the big factors? Or like what was the big factor for you that made it so made you nervous? Yeah, I think I got in my head a bit too much. Like next time you think you'd just be like, all right, um, just just pretend like you're playing to yourself because that's what you're doing really. You're just looking into a mm. phone that's the other way around. Um, but, yeah, I think I got nervous. I was, I don't, I'm not sure why. I, I I just wanted to, I wanted it to be good, I suppose. And I think when you have audience interaction and just people with you, it just feels, you know, it's it's all you know. It just feels better. And I don't know. I was got all nervous and embarrassed. <laughs> I wonder if it's like people doing radio for the first time, because mm. when you do live radio, it's pretty weird because yeah. you're sitting by yourself in a soundproof room mm. that no one can get into, but also people are listening. Yeah, yeah, I bet. And your expressions are the same, but you feel like you're just doing it to the wall or something. Is that how it feels? Yeah, and (laughs) 
you don't know 100% that all the transmission is working and it's going out mm. and you're not just by yourself talking to yourself for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess you don't know people's reactions. Mm. Maybe I, I felt weird because I've watched a lot and the musician is amazing. They've done this incredible job and then there's silence so you just you don't know that everyone's clapping and wooing on the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's time for Tell Me a Thing, the segment where I have a list of seven topics and I ask you to choose one of them and tell me something about it. The topics are politics, death, punk rock, Patti Smith, poetry, recording equipment, and musical equipment. So, Lisa, can you please tell me a thing? Dun, 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 dun. My brain's a bit fried today, so I'm going to. I'm going to go with musical equipment. Okay. <laughs> That's a sound choice. Yeah. Um, musical equipment. So I like the word, I like that you've used the word equipment as well, not instruments. Okay. Um, musical equipment for me, especially in these isolation times, I feel like I've thought a lot about the musical equipment that I'm using. I got into this huge phase of, not a phase, I still love my electric guitar. But um, I kind of have been, you know, having a play at home and I just don't want to plug it in every time and I feel like I'm being more eco-friendly and I don't want to, um, you know, use as much electricity. So I'm currently using my boyfriend's acoustic guitar because one of my my acoustic guitars missing a string and so I'm using his acoustic, which is super lovely. And also, I have been thinking about for a very long time, um, I teach vocals as well, so I've needed a nice keyboard, and I've just gone and gifted myself, I've been saving up for a while, with a new keyboard because I want to start writing again, and I want to feel inspired by another instrument other than my Fender, which has been amazing. And I will continue to use that Telecaster, but I would love to start working with different sounds, especially that I've used organ and different synth sounds now on the album that I'm about to release. I'm really looking forward to exploring more sounds. And this time when I write, I want to write differently and I want to start arranging as I go. I'm feeling excited about that. Has the keyboard arrived yet? No, it hasn't. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so you you ordered online and you're waiting with bated breath. Yes, and I'm sure when it comes, I'll just let it sit there for a while too. I'm quite afraid of technology. Um, okay, I feel like I will be. I feel like owning a keyboard with awesome sounds might be a little bit easier than trying to work out guitar pedals. I don't mm. know. Well, it's interesting you say I'm afraid of technology. I kind of. I have starting to collect some very nice guitar pedals mm-hmm. that sort of uh, largely sit in the corner while I play my old beat-up acoustic yeah, guitar. exactly. <laughs> What's the latest one you've gotten? I actually just ordered one online. Uh, I bought it at a physical shop, but they had to order it in. Yeah. 
there's a band, there's a brand in the US called Earthquaker Devices, Ooh. and I'm obsessed with them. They're great. The thing is that they're not like it's not like a normal company where they're trying to just make pedals that will sell heaps so they make profit because of capitalism. Mm. They just every pedal is made by hand still, even though they're huge. Wow. And they have it's basically it seems like a bit of a Willy Wonka situation where they just have uh, musicians who are also electronics experts. And they hang out in the shop all day and just make these crazy sounds. Then they test it and everyone gathers around and they say, oh, maybe put like a capacitor over here. Then they go back and they keep working on it. And then eventually they come up with this awesome pedal. That is so cool. Uh, so I'm getting one that's called a Ghost Echo. It's a reverb. Yeah, nice. So I'm also waiting with bated breath for a mu- piece of musical equipment. For it to instrument. sit in your corner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll play it for at least a week. <laughs> well i'm glad that you have something exciting on the horizon and maybe that keyboard will be the backbone of the second lisa caruso album yeah fingers crossed but we're very much waiting uh for the first one to drop first (laughs) it's so like a musician to be like okay next haven't even released the first one (laughs) Uh, but it 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 will come yeah it's definitely coming lisa thank you so much for coming for the second time on Women Who Rock, it's been a pleasure having a catch up. Oh, it's been a great chat again. Thank you so much. Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3.